Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And we're going to bring to you the second part of our episodes on Microsoft and uh, just kind of the Microsoft story and, and how it developed as a company and, and the big things that shaped it and the big things it did to shape the industry. Right, right. Going from three to over 90,000 employees in the course of just a couple of decades. Yep. And uh, we stopped last time at 1994 when Bill Gates and Melinda French tied the knot. So we're picking up with 1995. Which uh, was a big year. They, big year. Yeah. They, they, they released uh, Windows 95, shockingly enough. Yes. And uh, for those of you who can remember the commercials back then, these, of course, were the ones that featured the uh, a little band from across the pond called the um, Rolling Stones that did a, a song called Start Me Up. And it's because Windows 95 introduced a new feature to Windows. The start button. The start button, which uh, some people didn't care for at first. Um, it's kind of funny how technology works. Usually uh, a change gets rolled out. Everyone reacts like it's the end of the world. And then within a few years, they count on whatever it is that was changed. And then it gets changed again. And then they act like it's the end of the world. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> we see this usually at a very frequent uh, basis with Facebook redesigns. Right. Um, so Windows 95 uh, showed a lot of new developments, new features that some people kind of balked at at first. But um, Gates sent out a memo that same year. He he was seeing that there was a new trend coming up. And this, keep in mind, 95, this is, again, a couple years after the World Wide Web starts to develop a couple years since the general public has become aware of a thing called the Internet. The Internet itself had been around since the 80s, but very few people knew about it until uh, right around this time. And he sent out a memo called the Internet Tidal Wave to the senior staff of Microsoft. And he said that he thought that the Internet would be the most important thing for the company to concentrate on. That it, in fact, was going to be the most important development since the advent of the PC. Yeah. So uh, it turns out that, you know, he's very he was very much right Uh it was a, an early call to make, but he saw it, you know. He, I've, he I've read a little bit of criticism that he could have jumped on that a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's actually, um, yeah, the, but, the biggest criticism is that he waited too long yeah. for this. And uh, in fact, you could, since this is after the World Wide Web has become a thing, you could see why. I mean, this is before they've had their own web browser. So there's no browser for I, Microsoft. I, I believe in the summer of that year was when the first version of IE, uh, Internet Explorer, was released. So, yeah. But um, we're, we're finally getting there, whereas like everyone else is dependent upon other browsers from other companies. And Microsoft could have been on the ground floor earlier. But at the same time, he definitely saw that this was going to be something that Microsoft could not ignore. And uh, that that sort of set the company in motion to really think about how they were going to approach the Internet. And they actually held Internet Strategy Day. So hooray for that. It's also yeah. the same year that Forbes said that Gates is no longer the richest man in America. He is the richest man in the world. They were German, apparently, that year. Uh, but uh, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know why I said it that way. But yes, in the world, in the entire world, Bill Gates, richest man. And it's a title that he retains until 2008 when he lost it in a battle royal against uh, Randy Macho Man Savage. I would watch that. I would yeah, watch that. Mm-hmm. I made that part up. But yes, he, he did hold the title of richest man in the world from 95 to 2008. 
less successfully, it's also the year that he announced one of your favorite bits of Microsoft history. Oh, right. <laughs> Bob. Microsoft Bob. Microsoft Bob. We did a full episode about Microsoft Bob. And really, I meant to say this in the last episode. A lot of the stuff we're talking about, we could clearly do a full podcast on just any of these. Like, oh, absolutely. We've done full podcasts on on versions of Windows, much less on the Windows operating system itself. And, uh, you know, we could we have done a full episode on Bob, so we won't go over it again, other than to say it was an uh, a, a special type of graphic user interface designed for people who were not at all familiar with computers. And it was meant to make it a much more welcoming, intuitive experience. But uh, just go back and listen to that episode yeah, yeah. to learn how it wound up. It, it wound it. It wound up being extremely unsuccessful um, yeah, that's and a, that's kind a of putting it kind of placating in a way like it, it just wasn't it uh, just was it was just a massive failure it was a massive failure and it had some terrible features including a security feature that did not work right so um but but yeah um as as of uh as of 95 microsoft's overall revenue was 5.9 billion and the company had over 17,000 employees wow so they were doing all right so uh, by 1996 uh Microsoft releases Explorer 3.0. So they, they have really gotten into the browser, uh, biz at this point. And, um, uh, 3.0 is really kind of the first consumer based browser that people really get a chance to see. Netscape, which was the company behind another browser called Navigator, sent a little message to the United States Department of Justice to say, um, Microsoft's kind of being unfair. They're essentially, uh, saying that since we're the ones who's providing the operating system to all these different computers that various manufacturers are building, maybe you should include our web browser and not include anyone else's web browser. So in other words, they were saying that um, they were being anti-competitive. They were using their influence as an operating system designer to muscle out other browsers, including Navigator. And so... uh this starts another round of investigations from the Department of Justice into Microsoft's business practices. Uh, on July 15th of 1996, MSNBC debuts. So that's a news network. Uh, it was a partnership between NBC News and Microsoft. And um, at first it wasn't a 24-hour news channel. Uh, it would eventually become that, but at the time it had a certain block of hours that were available on a per-day basis, and it would grow from there. And it became sort of a competitor to companies like CNN. Sure. Uh, and then uh, that's the same year that Microsoft stock split again. So They were doing so well that, yeah. Yeah. And they also launched Windows CE. Now, Windows CE is different from the other operating systems that we're talking about here. This was one that was designed to work on devices that had minimal storage. So this would become the foundation for future operating systems built for mobile devices. Uh, particularly the Pocket PC, which I have fond memories of reading about. I never actually owned one, uh, but it was one of those devices that was ahead of its time. The Pocket PC was sort of the precursor to the tablet computers that we use today, but uh, the the implementation was never quite such that it, it would resonate with consumers. So people didn't tend to buy them. 
<laughs> is what I'm getting to. But Windows CE was like that. That was sort of the that was the operating system that kind of started down this this branch in the evolutionary sure, path. Sure, sure. And it, it was around that time. Um, uh, and and I don't have specific notes about this, but but correct me if I'm wrong. That uh, that like Palm Pilot and other mobile devices were starting to. Um, Personal really digital assistants were mm-hmm. starting to pick up. This is this is really before smartphones had started to become to gain Existent. traction. <laughs> yeah, there there were a few early examples, but really personal digital assistants were more common. And these were devices that were very similar to smartphones, just without the phone part. Right. They were able to run applications. They could hold your contact information, uh, but they weren't. Smartphones yet. Really, the problem was that, uh, that that wireless technology hadn't advanced to the point where it was useful. Yeah, I mean, you could get basic information like text information, but anything like uh, more than 140 characters yeah, was problematic. Yeah, anything beyond a, some text was yeah. going to be it was going to take you a while to receive it on these old uh, cellular networks. In 1997, they released Internet Explorer 4.0, and also they uh, released Office 97 which was another one of those product productivity software suites. And uh, the company acquired another company called Interse Corporation, which made analysis software for web activity. So this is, again, the company following through on that, that uh, memo that Bill Gates sent saying we need to focus on the Internet. That's where our future business is going to be. Uh, they also agreed to acquire Web TV Networks for about $425 million in stock and cash. Yeesh. Web TV. I remember Web TV. I had a friend who actually had Web TV. So this was a way of accessing the World Wide Web on a television. You would get a, a remote control that was essentially a keyboard and um, didn't really do so well, as I recall. I mean, uh, apart from my friend, I don't know anyone who used Web TV. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, I, this was, I mean, you know, it, it was a kind of prescient move on behalf of yes. of, of everyone involved um, because, you know, again, they, there wasn't enough of an Internet connection for people to really um, yeah, there's some... find it useful yet. But but it was also coming on the tail end of um, that uh, that 1996 telecommunications act that, um, that yeah. looped Internet services in with uh, cable services and allowed a lot of partnerships to start developing. Uh, and a good example was the, the partnership that Microsoft entered into with Comcast. They put invested $1 billion for about 11.5% ownership in Comcast to help deploy high-speed data and video services. Now, this was in Microsoft's best interest as well as Comcast, the idea being that we need to build out this infrastructure because the Internet is getting more and more important. But in order for it to be useful, we need to increase bandwidth and accessibility. Right. You know, the more customers have access to the Internet, the more product we can sell. So therefore, this makes sense from a business perspective. Um, and they also invested $150 million in another company that might surprise you, considering the fact that they had a little kerfuffle in our last episode. Apple. Yep. Back back in with Apple this yep. year. Another software development deal for Apple platforms. And uh, that's when Bill Gates announced the formation of the Gates Library Foundation. Now, this was an, uh, a predecessor to some of the philanthropic organizations that Bill and Melinda Gates would launch in the future. Right, right. Uh, this was also the year that the Department of Justice announced its intent to hold Microsoft in contempt um, of the 1994 uh, decree that they had agreed to. Um, which, which was one of those antitrust decrees, which you can, uh, go back and, and hear a little bit about in the previous episode. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but to, I mean, to the tune of like a million dollars per day. 
Yeah. Until that's a lot of contempt. They stopped bundling IE with their with their operating with their system. operating system. Yeah. Basically, yeah, this was a this was a big deal. I remember this unfolding at the time when uh, um, you know I had I had entered into the workforce at this point, and I just remember following it and and being kind of uh, knowing the the basic details, but it's really in retrospect being able to look at it uh, more thoroughly. You really can see how. Without this intervention, the landscape would be very different right now as far as the way the Internet and, and the way browsers work. Uh, that was the same year that Microsoft also acquired Hotmail, uh, which, of course, is a web-based email service. Hotmail existed for quite some time. Uh, it does technically still exist, although now it is officially part of Outlook.com. Oh, okay. So it's part of the uh, web-based Outlook suite as opposed to its own Hotmail thing. Uh, I still have a Hotmail address. I never had a Hotmail address. Wow. I eschewed it. Well, did you have a Yahoo mail? Yeah, address? I still so have. Were, I still have Yahoo. Or, right, oh, yeah, oh my. Goodness actually, my gracious. Technically, I had both, so <laughs> I can't really complain. But no, I have a, I have a Hotmail address that the only reason I, I haven't just completely told people to stop using Nicked it is because yeah. there's, there's like three people who know me who still send me messages via Hotmail. And like, like to pretend that I care about what they have to say, so I keep it going. <laughs> uh, 1998. Uh, that's when uh, things the, things get real, yo. Yeah, yeah. The the official uh, uh, antitrust lawsuit against Microsoft uh, was filed. Yeah, by the Department of Justice and 20 state attorneys general in the United States. They file an anti-competitive lawsuit against Microsoft. It's also the same year that Microsoft launched Windows 98 and uh, also the year that they decided to do away with the office of the president. Now, if you remember from our last episode, Microsoft had uh, originally Bill Gates had served as the president of Microsoft for a while. And then they got some presidents from other companies to come in and become the president of Microsoft. And then they switched to this the strategy of having an office of the president where the the uh, the duties of the president were split into three roles. And so three different executives held positions within the office of the president rather than having a single president. This is when they go back to having a single president. And that first single president is Balmer. Steve Balmer becomes president of Microsoft. Bill Gates remains on as chairman and CEO. And uh, so now the corporate structure has changed again. And this would be the way that the corporate structure would remain for about 10 years, more or less. Uh, spoiler alert. Please stay tuned for the con- exciting conclusion because we've got a lot to say. Uh, that's also when Microsoft launched MSN Search, which was a web-based search engine. This is what would eventually turn into what we now know as Bing. Yeah. I'm glad you said it and I didn't have to. Um, it's a perfectly legitimate uh, web search engine, even if Bing itself is not a cromulent word. But it's a, it's a, it, it works well. I have no complaints against the way Bing works. I still tend to use Google more frequently, but I don't have anything against Bing. Um, 1999. Okay, so 1999 was when something really bad happened. Uh, and, uh, I did, I, this was a virus that broke out. So 1999, a virus called the Melissa virus. Oh, right. Ran rampant across the internet. Now, this virus was, in the grand scheme of things, not that malicious in that it didn't 
try to brick your computer necessarily or wipe out all your data. Although, you know, you could always tweak the malware to make it do worse things than what it was designed to do. What it was designed to do was really just copy itself and send itself to other computers within a person's contact list. And it worked within Microsoft Word or Microsoft Outlook, and it exploited vulnerabilities there. So if you were to try and open this document, either in Outlook or in Word, what it would then do is copy itself and mail itself out to all of the contacts that you had. So if this hit an executive who happened to have hundreds of business contacts in their Outlook, that's that email would go out to hundreds of people. And uh, the email traffic alone ended up bogging down parts of the Internet during 1999. This also really kind of opened people's eyes to the fact that some that, that a lot of the software we depend upon heavily from Microsoft could have vulnerabilities in it, and that if you were to exploit those vulnerabilities, you could cause quite a bit of, of damage. It was not the first example of a computer virus by a long shot. No, but it was kind of the, the most propagated at the time. And also, um, it received, you, you know, the the Internet was, was really in the news at this point. Yeah. Everyone was very excited about what was going on. It was right before that um, that dot-com crash. Yeah. And, um, and so it was... It was really big. Yeah, yeah. This is a point where, you know, we've finally gotten beyond just the college students and nerds who know what the Internet is, yeah. right? So I was both a college student and nerd <laughs> in the early days of the Internet, so I was doubly aware of it. But uh, this is the point where you would say things like, oh, yeah, my parents know what the Internet is because <laughs> it's gotten that big. So when a virus hits and a virus spreads this quickly, it's one of those black eyes against the Internet. It's a black eye against Microsoft. This was this was just bad news for the company. Sure. Uh, although um, that was the year that uh, Microsoft's stock value peaked uh, for all time um, on December 27th at around $59 per share. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, with, uh, with whenever the stock splits, the value of the stock goes down, but the value of the company remains the same because you've added more stock. So this is not to say that the value of the company has decreased over time since then, rather than just the price of the, the shares, the individual shares themselves. Right. Because it gets kind of complicated. But um, uh, so, yeah, that was a, a big year for Microsoft and not because of product releases. It was just because of the the, the way the business was going and also this this virus outbreak. Uh, uh, the year 2000, however, was a big year for product releases. Yes, it was. That was when uh, that was when uh, Windows 2000 again. Shocking that those numbers <laughs> line up like that. Yeah. Uh, was debuted. Yeah, Windows 2000 Professional and Server Business OS. Yeah, very snappy name. Uh, and also, that's the <laughs> year that Microsoft celebrated its 25th anniversary. Uh, they also unveiled the .NET platform for web services, and um, that was the year. That uh, you know, I I kind of lied when I said that Balmer became president and Gates remained uh, chairman, and then that would remain the same till two thousand eight. Not entirely true, actually, because Balmer then stepped into the role of CEO, and Gates became the chief software architect for Microsoft. I think most people still viewed Gates as being kind of the leader. Uh, of Microsoft, especially when you consider that at big events like CES, they would have he, he a CES He was always the personality. Yeah, I was, mean, Balmer, the Balmer was always quiet. Yeah. And, uh, well, well mm, okay, no, that's, quiet's that's, the that's wrong not, word. You're, you're very correct. Developers, um, developers, that, developers, <laughs> developers, developers. Do a search, folks. You've heard me say it before. If you have not seen it, go to YouTube, type in Steve Balmer developers, and you can see. Now, remember, Balmer comes from this from a salesman kind of perspective. Dude gets pretty loud if he wants to be. But but your point being that he was not the 
kind of the voice of leadership. For excellent reasons, he was not really the personality <laughs> uh, that was driving yeah. Microsoft. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's a, a very smart savvy businessman, extremely savvy businessman. Uh, that's also the year that the Department of Justice uh, Judge Jackson ruled that Microsoft should be split into two units. That that's why today we have two different companies of Microsoft. Why Microsoft cannot be a Oh wait, that's this right. was struck down later on. But yeah. Uh, but but yeah, but the concept was to uh, to have one half that would be doing the operating systems, and the other half uh, with with a software, other software. Yeah, components. other types of software besides operating system. Yeah, he, he Jackson Judge Jackson actually said that Microsoft was an abusive monopoly. Yeah, and uh, like like Lauren said, this decision would eventually be overturned. It's so so that's why there's not like uh, two different versions of Microsoft out there, one just doing Windows and the other one doing everything else. Uh, revenues for Microsoft that year hit $229 billion. With, uh, with over um, 39,000 employees. That's a lot of employees. And that's when Bill and Melinda Gates launched the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, it's also when Microsoft acquired a company called Visio Corporation. Uh, so those of you who are familiar with Visio's products, uh, that that will ring a bell. And Microsoft introduced the Pocket PC 2000. And that's the uh, the one that had an operating system that was based on Windows CE. And the operating system on the Pocket PC 2000 would evolve into what would become Windows Mobile, uh, which has its – we could do a full episode just on Windows Mobile as well because that's, that's one of those operating system stories that has its own uh, interesting rise and fall narrative. Um, of course, Windows Mobile, not a thing anymore. Uh, they, instead, we have Windows Phone. I'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but in 2001, that's when the Court of Appeal overturned Judge Jackson's decision to break Microsoft up into two corporations. Uh, they, the, but the Court of Appeal did say that the company legal, um, illegally used licensing agreements to lock out Netscape from uh, computer manufacturers. Right, rather. right. Uh, Microsoft ended up settling by agreeing to uh, to disclose its application programming interfaces with third-party software companies. Yep. So uh, that that was the resolution to that very long process of uh, investigation and litigation. Microsoft that same year launched Windows XP. Uh, which, uh, 2001, Windows XP launches, and it was an incredibly popular operating system. So much so that there's probably some machines here in this office that are still running Windows XP. I was running Windows XP personally until, yeah, 2012. Yeah. So. Well, I was running Windows XP on my work computer until I destroyed, I don't know, maybe three computers ago. I've gone through a lot of computers while I'm here at How Stuff Works. I'm a little hard. Shocking, on shocking. Yeah, well, I, I did shock. You seem one. like such a gentle soul. One. Yeah, well, I take it out on the machine. Huh. Uh, so when the machines rise up, I'll be first, first, on first the line. in line. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, but at any office, rate, Office XP also launched that year, which was another one of those Office Suite updates. Right, and um, uh, and yeah, so the Windows XP ends up becoming so. It's such a, a strong release that it would actually cause Microsoft some problems down the line when they tried to move to the next generation of operating systems. Right. Um, but uh, this was also a, a year that was very important for both Microsoft and for Lauren and myself. For me, um, specifically. Because 2001, that is the year Microsoft launched... The Xbox. The Xbox. That's all, and, and one of the launch titles for Xbox was... 
Halo. Halo, yes. Yeah, so the video game that Lauren and I both share a deep and abiding love for. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I don't think I played it until 2002, actually. But, yeah, um, well, that was one of the it was one of the earliest titles for the Xbox was mm-hmm. was Halo, and it was one of the most successful. I mean, clear Halo originally was developed as a game that was going to be on the Macintosh or the Mac right. computer uh, at that time, and instead, well, just, um, you know, no one had ever seen any um, any. Uh, uh, AI software quite like that in, yeah. in a first person shooter. And, yeah, it was, it was, uh, and, and also the, the capacity to, uh, to land local area network, uh, boxes together. Yeah, was. it was, it was stuff that people had, were excited about on the computer front, because of course on computers you could have done this for a while, and also on games like GoldenEye for the Nintendo platform. Um, it was, it was sort of the, the next step in first person shooters. Now people who are first person shooter uh, uh, aficionados on the computer look down their nose at us, and we totally understand. But Lauren and I like to play with controllers, not with a mouse and keyboard. There's that, nothing that was, wrong with mouse and first, keyboard. That was the first uh, first-person shooter that I that I played with a controller, and I didn't know how it was going to. I, I could not comprehend how it was going to work at first because I I was just like, how I have I don't have a mouse. How do you make it work? How how does it do? But it but it turned out to work really well. So uh, although the Xbox. You know, it did pretty well in the United States. Worldwide, uh, it was it was kind of a runner-up to the PS2, uh, so a distant runner-up to the PS2, really. Um, but, oh, the, the, uh, but it did so, outsell Sony, the Sony GameCube. Had, sure, sure. So, Sony had so many um, so many terrific titles yeah. out at that point. That, no, um, the PS2 is one of the strongest video game consoles ever. If you look at the library of games, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that was where Microsoft said this is we're going to get into the console gaming market, and so that's that was the the first version of that. Um, skipping 2002 because I don't have any real information about Microsoft that year to Me 2003. Either. That's when they launched Windows Mobile 2003. So this is the first operating system they had officially called Windows Mobile. It's still mainly used for the pocket PC at this time. They weren't really interested in developing smartphone operating systems at this point, although you could find the Windows Mobile operating system on a couple of early smartphones. Also in 2003, um, a, a new version of Office launched, Office 2003, shockingly enough. Um, and... <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah. that really clever naming systems here, um, and uh, and yeah, the the company at this point had over um, fifty four thousand employees, and their net revenues were above thirty two billion. Lots of money. All the money. Uh, yeah, two thousand four. That's when we have another uh, another knock against Microsoft. That's when the European Commission begins to hold antitrust hearings against Microsoft. So, um, like we said before, you know, the United States government's not the only entity that has gone after Microsoft for anti-competitive or antitrust reasons. Certainly not. No, uh, in 2005, actually, South Korea um, uh, started to open antitrust hearings. They they fined them like 32 million, but ultimately found them guilty and dropped the fine. So I'm not really sure the purpose of that one. It was like but, a slap um, on the wrist. There's yeah. more that happens in 2005. But before we jump into that, all right, back to 2005. Here's where another launch comes in. So 2001, they launched the Xbox. 2005, we get the Xbox 360. Now, uh, this is, of course, the as of the recording of this podcast, the current generation of Microsoft console. Mm-hmm. With, with the, the Xbox One on the horizon. Yeah, it's coming very soon. We'll, and we'll talk a little bit about that, of course, toward the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2005 was also the year that Gates, uh, Bill Gates received an honorary knighthood from Goodness. the United Kingdom. That's interesting. It's very rare when a uh, someone outside of the UK is uh, awarded with an honorary knighthood. There is a particular order, as I recall, 
that's for non-UK citizens, but I honestly can't remember what it is because I don't expect to receive one anytime soon. The Queen will not return my phone calls. How rude. Uh, I, you said it, not I. I'm above <laughs> such things. We are not amused. 2006, Gates at that point shocks the world by saying that he will step back from Microsoft by 2008. So this was big news. I mean, Gates was... Very he was the much, figurehead. Yeah, yeah. He was, he even was, though he had only been the, uh, chief, uh, software architect. software architect for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He had not been the, the official leader of Microsoft, but people still thought of him as the leader of Microsoft. I mean, he was, like I said, you know, at any big event like CES, he was still the guy who would deliver the keynote. So, uh, this was, this was kind of big news. And, uh, he still was, you know, saying that there was going to be a transition plan and he was still going to be working for, Microsoft, he was going to scale back gradually. It wasn't like he was just going to quit one day. Sure. Uh, so, uh, but it was, it was, you know, this was when he announced that. Uh, that was also when, uh, when Vista was released. Yeah. Which did n- not as well as they were. Th- this, this is one of those operating systems that suffered for, um, for XP having been as solid of a system as right, it was. Right, right. Now, XP, you know, like, people will even point out that the early days of XP, XP was kind of a rough system, but they had released patches to XP over time. And lots of patches, so lots patches. and lots of them. Yeah, because you had to keep, you know, you, vulnerabilities would be discovered. Microsoft would fix the vulnerabilities, release a patch. More vulnerabilities would be discovered down the line. But and since the internet was uh, was so widespread at this point, it was really easy for people to get a hold of those. Yeah, and Microsoft XP. I mean, it became the foundation for a lot of software, and that one of the things we see time and again with big businesses is that they'll develop their own proprietary software to do business their own way, whatever their industry is. And these these uh, programs will be built with a particular operating system in mind. And Windows Windows XP had been around for a while, so uh, anything that was not going to be compatible with that Windows XP platform was not very useful to businesses. So Windows Vista, when it first came out, there were some compatibility issues. There were a lot of driver issues, too. Like if you had developed hardware for PCs and you had special drivers to make it work on a computer, uh, Vista did not work with a lot of drivers, which meant that people were reluctant to upgrade because they didn't, they weren't sure that their stuff was going to work with their computer. Yeah. It was also being sold as a much more, um, uh, home PC system. Yes. And, and at this point, I think a lot of people had phased into using, um, you know, having multi-use computers, not separating their home life from their work life. Right. And, 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 and you know, it's just, there were a lot of problems with Vista, and it. it I never got touched a, it personally. Uh, I did. <laughs> uh, I, I actually used it early when there were still a lot of problems with it, uh, and part of it was that people who were re- reviewing it gave it pretty critical reviews, and it never recovered from that. Even though they that Microsoft uh, would address many of the problems that people had with Vista in subsequent updates. The damage had been done. Vista was known as being a bad operating system because of the criticisms that it received, and it never recovered. Um, there was a, that was the year that they launched something else that also had a very rough life. It wasn't just Windows Vista that they launched that did not really ever gain serious traction. They also launched uh, another example of hardware. So they had had some success with the video game console market. That's when they launched the Zune Player. Right. So the Zune Player was a, a competitor to the iPod, and later on a competitor competitor to the iPod Touch. Uh, it was an MP3 player, media player, 
Uh, and it was a project that was headed by Jay Allard, who was actually the guy who was in charge of the Xbox 360 project before its launch. So he had already demonstrated success in developing hardware for Microsoft. Uh, the code name of this project was Argo. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was innovative in many ways. One of the things that you could do with the, uh, the Zune was you could share music with someone else who owned a Zune. So Lauren, if you had a Zune, uh, I apologize ahead of time for actually saying you would own a Zune, a little brown MP3 player. They originally just came in brown. I, I think I think um, I, I had I had Best Buy's proprietary MP3 player at the time, so I wasn't really I had doing. A, I had a compact, yeah. branded MP3 player for the longest time. It was a brick. Uh, so uh, if you had a Zune and I had a Zune and I had a song that you wanted to listen to, uh, you just really needed to hear Jet Boy Jet Girl. Uh, I happen to have that, and I want to lend it to you. I could do that for for a set period of time. Yeah, it was, it was like alone. Yeah, essentially the the file would remain viable on your Zoom device for a certain number of plays or a certain amount of time, and then it would essentially delete itself. So you wouldn't be able to you know copy, copy music indefinitely. And, right. Sure. Um, but originally, uh, the, do you remember what you probably don't? But do you remember what this sharing service was eventually called no, by I Microsoft? Prepare yourself. Squirting. No, it was not. It was. That is. If I wanted to share my song, I would just squirt it right on over to you. My Zune would squirt at your Zune, and then your Zune could play that song. I think I need an adult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not my fault. Not my fault. I didn't come up with it. It's just what it's called. So uh, anyway, uh, I wish I were making that up. So let's move on to 2007 let's... before any more damage is yeah, done. Yeah, that, that was the year that Office 2007 launched. Yes, uh Strangely enough, <laughs> Gates also collected an honorary degree from his alma mater, or what would have been his alma mater, Harvard. Harvard. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, for reference, that's the year that the um, that the iPhone launched from Apple. Yes, yes. And uh, later on, Steve Ballmer would admit that Microsoft did not get completely uh, dropped the ball. Yeah, they did, on... they didn't move on smartphones when they should have because they had been working on their Windows Mobile operating system for a few years. And if they had positioned themselves properly, there is a chance that they could have been the company that brought the smartphone to your to average consumer. User. Yeah, because yeah. that's what Apple did. You know, smartphones existed. People were using smartphones, especially executives, and using Blackberries. Blackberries, yeah. But but, um, but, but but they brought it to 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 people. Yeah, Apple's what? Not, made, that, not that executives aren't people. I'm sorry, <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know. Have you ever eaten with one? Oh, so snap. Uh, that's a producer's joke. Uh, so, the, so the but yeah, Apple was able to succeed where no other company had as far as the consumer interest in smartphones is concerned. And later, Balmer would admit that Microsoft really dropped the ball. They could have been the company to do that, or they at least had the potential. Uh, that's the same year that Bill Gates showed off the Milan Surface Computer, which was later just called the Surface Table right. and eventually renamed the Pixel Sense to differentiate it from the Surface tablets that would come out down the line. So this was a table that could detect multiple touches, up to, I think, 10 or 20 touches. It used cameras to detect where you were making contact with the screen. So cameras were actually mounted below the screen. You could not see them. And they were measuring light in the infrared spectrum, as I recall. So that way it would detect where your fingers were. 
And you can manipulate stuff. You could even do things like have a digital camera that you had taken uh, pictures with, put the digital camera on the surface, and then through uh, wireless uh, transfer, it could pull the pictures from the camera onto the surface. So it was kind of a cool effect. You, you, It's like setting your camera down on a table, and suddenly the pictures you have taken are on the table. It was a neat idea, uh, and it was really meant as something that would be used in entertainment establishments and retail establishments, not so much the average consumer. I mean, we're talking about tables that cost like 20 grand. Sure. So it's not something that I'm going to go out and buy anytime soon, unless someone out there wants to be really altruistic. <laughs> uh, and that's also a year that's something that is only, it's a story that's just now unraveling to uh, a level where we can really get a grip on it. Uh, and it's something that Lauren and I are going to cover in the future. 2007 is when Microsoft becomes the first company to be involved in the NSA's PRISM program. Right. So PRISM, of course, is part of the NSA program to gather data about non-U.S. citizens uh, related to any form of terrorism activity or uh, or any other dangerous activity directed toward the United States. And uh, to do this, the NSA gathers a lot of information it's a from, massive, from yeah, companies. massive data collection. And, and Microsoft was the first company to become part of this. Now, saying that, I don't want to give the uh, the I don't want to imply that Microsoft was completely in favor of this. They were required by law to participate in this program. It's uh, not like it's you know it's not like Microsoft volunteered necessarily. We don't know all the details of how each company became part of this, but we do know that, you know, these were all legal proceedings as defined by U.S. law. So I just wanted to say that because, you know, we're still learning the details about this entire program. Uh, But, yeah, 2007, that's when they started. It would be six years before we would all learn about this program. (laughs) All right, 2008. So that's the year when Microsoft gets hit with a little slap on the wrist from uh, the European Commission. To, 899 to, million euros, yeah, if a, you can call that a slap on the please, wrist. Then, yeah, that's a... Yeah, don't slap me on the wrist with that, because I can't afford it. Yeah, uh, Microsoft, of course, appealed that. Yep, and uh, they had hit a corporate-wide headcount. At this point, it's a global company. I mean, they've been a global company for a few, several years at this point. Their global headcount is at 90,000. And, uh, and it was at that point that Gates, as, as promised, uh, stepped down from his daily responsibilities at the company. Yeah, uh, it was also the last year that Bill Gates would do the keynote for CES. Right. Uh, and I, I remember seeing that keynote. I was at that CES and, uh, it was interesting because they also presented a video of what Bill Gates' typical day was like at Microsoft leading up to his retirement because he had scaled back so far. And, uh, it was, Totally done for laughs. I'm sure it was whimsical. It was yes. it was very amusing. It involved things like him putting his coffee cup on his car and driving off without remembering it and then getting out of his car when he gets to Microsoft and picking up his coffee cup from the top of the car. It's stayed there the whole time and lots of goofy stuff. In fact, there was a weird year for Microsoft. There's a lot of goofy stuff that came out in 2008. For instance, there were a series of impenetrable ads that came out featuring Bill Gates and Jerry Seinfeld. Right, I remember those. Those yeah, were so I showed strange. you one of them. The, yeah. the one where the Jerry Seinfeld's walking through a mall and he sees that Bill Gates is being fitted for shoes, and uh, he says, like "Great sneakers. googly moogly." Yeah. yeah, he comes into the sneaker store and there's Bill Gates trying on a pair of Conquistadors. They run tight. Uh, if you guys are longtime fans of tech stuff, you've heard Chris and I have quoted this 
ad nauseum. It's, I mean, it, it's really esoteric. I mean, it's such it, a bizarre, it's very Dada esque. They and they have. Uh, there's one point where the shoe store asks the uh, asks Bill Gates if he has like the customer loyalty card, and Bill Gates flashes the card, and it has on it. His mugshot from when he was from when uh, he was a teenager, and he kept uh, getting pulled over, and at least on one occasion arrested for uh, for traffic violations. Yeah, yeah, tooling around in his Porsche. Yeah, so he um, he had his mugshot on there as just a little sly gag. The whole commercial is a commercial. It's it's like a Seinfeld episode. It's a commercial about nothing. It's a Microsoft commercial, but they're not promoting any particular product or service. It was really just. Odd. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I loved it, but oh, sure, know. sure. Along, along these lines, um, you know, Gates maintained his position as the chairman of the board, um, yeah, uh, of of Microsoft, but but, but it was no and, longer and, and, there and was, on a day to day basis. Was no longer there on a day to day basis. Um, but but was still very much uh, a figurehead. Uh, but but at that point, he was really trying to concentrate on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? And that same year, uh, the last day of two thousand eight, December thirty first, two thousand eight. Several of the Zune 30 models all froze. They, there was an error inside the internal clock driver that was running on the Zune models. So anyone who had a Zune 30, there was a chance that their device would just freeze and it wouldn't work for another 24 hours. Within 24 hours, it pretty much fixed itself. But if you wanted to fix it before that, uh, Microsoft did release a patch. But that was just one of those things that kind of indicated where you know, a, a little software error could lead to a full hardware failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and guess these, these ultimately, kind of glitches were not were not good. I mean, it it wasn't an infrequent. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair to say that it didn't hurt Microsoft too badly, just because the Zune wasn't that popular. Sure, but it did hurt the Zune. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, well, it didn't help. I mean, iPod yeah. was already so far in the lead that it would have been really hard to catch up to it. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand nine. That's when Microsoft launched Windows Seven. A lot of us thought that this was a pretty quick launch. I mean, it went from 2006 of Vista coming out to 2009 with the successor to Vista coming out. Uh, and Although a lot the, of people felt that that was a, a really short window. I think it was more, I, I think it was partially a, a marketing ploy just because Vista had done so poorly. They were like, let's get this name out of here. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we can do firmware updates basically. Yeah. It to- also, it also confused people. They were like, how did Microsoft get to seven? And you started counting, and uh, Microsoft has an official response to that, which I cannot remember. But I do. When I read it, I thought that's one way to count. Uh, it was. It definitely confused me because people were people were dedicating a good amount of time figuring out like where the heck did the, seven come the, from? The last number had been three point one. Yeah, and then you had all the different variations like Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight. You had you know, but people were adding it up and they're thinking, I can't get the seven. I can, depending on which way I go, I can either get six or eight. But hmm. <laughs> but eventually, Microsoft did actually release a, a response saying this is why it's Windows seven. Right, right. That's um, also when they launched a fourth generation Zune, which was meant to uh, to compete against the iPod Touch. This was the one that had the OLED display. It had HD video out. It also had HD radio features. Uh, and um, uh, at the All Things Digital conference, Steve Ballmer announced the Bing rebranding of right. Microsoft Live right. Search. That was so. the year that Bing launched uh, in, in an official way. Um, other things that launched that year were Russia's investigation into antitrust proceedings. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also the year that, um, that Microsoft would, uh, uh, enter into a deal with Yahoo to provide search results for Yahoo. So Yahoo's search engine would be powered by the Bing search engine at that point. This is interesting because the year 
one year earlier, 2008, something I should have mentioned, but I, I forgot to, was that Microsoft made a move to acquire Yahoo and actually right. uh, extended they, 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 an they wound offer. Up, uh, they wound up not following through with that. Well, yeah, because Yahoo said that Microsoft had undervalued the the what Yahoo was worth. And then Microsoft said, well, we don't want to play with you anyway. And then a year later, they said, you want to use our stuff for your search engine? And Yahoo said, yes. <laughs> Uh, Yahoo itself was going through some pretty serious trouble at this point. And, uh, you know, if you've heard our Yahoo episode, uh, you probably understand more about that and about how, you know, the company was really struggling for a while. And some would argue still is. Sure. Uh, um, uh, to, 2009 wasn't necessarily, um, a terrific year for Microsoft. It was, uh, the, the company had some 90% of the, uh, global operating system market share. However, this the, the stocks dipped to under seventeen bucks a share uh, yeah. that year, which which was the lowest um, basically in their history since uh, since ninety seven. Now, to be fair, this is also right around the time that there was a, a global depression. There yes, was a global economic recession. Uh-huh. So, it, but it was you know, it was the only year of their negative growth um, since. <laughs> I love that phrase. Ha! Huh. Negative growth. negative growth. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it, this was also the first year that Balmer headed the CES keynote. Uh, on his own at right. Microsoft uh, as the Microsoft keynote de- delivery guy. I actually saw that one too. I saw the last Gates one and the first Balmer one. Uh, three interns were eaten that day. Uh, then in 2010, uh, the Connect was released, and uh, yes. and and the Connect would be what would help uh, the Xbox 360 overtake the PlayStation 2 and the Wii consoles. PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3. At that point, yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. No. And the Connect. I think I think what was happening was that Microsoft saw that the Wii when they released the the Wii Move, I mean that thing sold like crazy. It oh, was yeah, almost yeah. impossible to find one of those things for months after its release. And it was such a uh, such a terrific um kind of non-traditional market that yeah. that they were aiming for, uh, you know, aka ladies. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which always offends me a tiny wee bit, but that's Senior okay. Senior citizens too. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, and, you know, it was, it was just around that time that the consoles, that the major console players were starting to go like, hey, there are people in the world who might want to play games who are not uh, 18 to 24 year old males. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they were also just seeing that the Wii console was outselling the Xbox 360 and the, and the PS3. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it wasn't necessarily that Nintendo was really making groundbreaking games it was that the hardware itself was creating a totally different way to play and so the connect and the move were both kind i would i would argue those would have to be kind of responses to nintendo's approach uh, i'm sure both companies would argue saying that it was you know that this was always part of their strategy but and that it was the hardware capacity at the time when sure, you see but... when you see a company just run away with it like nintendo was at the time now of course nintendo is in its own serious amount of trouble right now but uh at the time it was doing really well it just didn't have a lot of staying power like people got tired of their wii consoles in general i mean that's that's a generalization but uh, there, everyone there i know a, who owns one there's a game deficiency also there's a game deficiency time. as but, well um uh, also 2010 was the year of the uh windows phone 7 um yep. microsoft link and uh the office suite 2010 yep so now we're getting into this this era where uh windows phone has taken over for windows mobile operating system uh, in fact, that that had really started back in 2008. The Windows Mobile operating system was showing its age, and rather than continually trying to upgrade it, Microsoft made the decision to start with a brand new operating system designed specifically for smartphones and for tablets that they were calling Windows Phone rather than Windows Mobile. 
So uh, that's you know now we're seeing Windows uh, Windows Phone Seven, which I guess was to mirror the Windows Seven operating system as opposed to show that this is the seventh version of Windows Phone. I don't even know. I can't tell. Counting is fun. Yeah, it sure is. 2011, that's when Microsoft announced that it would discontinue the Zune hardware development. So the great Zune uh, experiment ended in failure. They could not replicate the success they had in the console market. Uh, I know a lot of people who listen to this show listen to it on Zune. In fact, we had people... Uh, whenever there was an, an issue with an RSS feed or something that was not properly going to the Zune marketplace, people would write in. Uh, not a lot of people, but the people who did were very much very vocal about it. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, you know, it was a it was a a decent MP3 player. There was nothing sure. wrong with it. It just never got the traction that other hardware had. Sure. Well, also, also for you know, yeah, kids that were uh, PC versus Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's a thing. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me that pirates and ninja can't get along. 2012, Steve Ballmer delivers Microsoft's final keynote address at CES. I did not see this one. I missed it. I was at CES that year, but I didn't go you to did the You did not keynote. go to this one, yeah. No. But um, the company also said it would no longer maintain a space at CES. It would no longer have a booth there. And um, which, which, you know, was, was a, came off like a, like a big step, but was, wasn't, I think, overall surprising in the industry because, uh, you know, all of these large companies had for a while started kind of going like, well, why am I going to let all of these other places steal my limelight when I can just hold my own press conference exactly. and talk about anything that I want to? Kind, and kind of following the same route that Apple and Google were doing, which is hold, hold your own event. And that way you can. If announce, you're big enough, why not? Yeah, yeah, you can announce things on your terms, on your schedule. Because the 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 big issue with CES is, yeah, there's a huge spotlight that's on you because the whole world is there. It feels like at times, uh, but one, you're sharing the sp- stage with everybody else, and two, you have to have your stuff ready to announce at that particular time of year. If it's a product that you aren't ready to launch for another five, six months. Announcing it early can sometimes be harmful. We saw that with the Palm Pre. Sure. The Palm Pre came out at CES one year, and everyone thought, this is the most amazing smartphone I've ever seen. I can't wait to get my hands on it. By the time it came out June of that following year, no one cared anymore. So this way, Microsoft could uh, could determine its own terms. Yeah, Yeah. better strategy. (laughs) Exactly. So they left CES, and uh, they also launched a new product in 2012. A brand new version of their operating system. Windows 8? Yeah, Windows 8. Uh, this, was, this was the uh, the tablet-friendly, the multi-platform. Friendly operating system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point, well, some people would argue that it wasn't so friendly if you had a desktop or laptop, especially if you had one that did not have a touchscreen. Touch screen, right. Uh, but yeah, it was designed so that it could work on both touchscreens and on uh, on traditional computers. And um, uh, it definitely is very easy to use if you have a touchscreen interface. If you don't have a touchscreen interface, it takes a little bit more... Finagling? Yeah. It takes a little more effort to navigate through. It also had a desktop uh, version where, or a, a, a desktop s- setting where you could switch from the tiled view of Windows 8 to the uh, more uh, a desktop look to it. Although the start button was missing at the time, but more on that in just a little while. Um, but uh, it, it got mixed reviews. Uh, I would say mixed to negative. There were a lot of people who found it um, difficult to to navigate at first. 
there were people who were missing a lot of the features that they had become used to. Again, this happens every time you update course, any kind of yeah, software. Yeah. But and, and this is all still pretty fresh and recent. So, you yeah. know, and, and, and again, like not everyone, you know, people are starting to get touch screens for their home PC or laptop. But, um, but yeah, the, it's not it's, widespread enough to really be. I, I think that Microsoft might have jumped the gun on that one. Might have. I mean, they were in a way they were really trying to push this forward. In fact, they've been doing that more recently. I think they're trying to become a leader in various areas, like a, a thought leader, not just a not just an industry leader, but a thought leader in these spaces. But that. That means you get pushback because it means that you are are abandoning certain things that people have, you know, come to rely upon or at least be used to. And it takes a while to convince folks that, no, 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 go with us because this is going to be great. You just have to let this other stuff go. And I think it's really hard to do when you're when you're this big, when you've got yeah. this much of, a, of an OS market share, um, you and, know, and- t- telling, you know, perhaps over half of the world that that. They need to catch up to the times and get yeah. a whole bunch of new hardware is a difficult sell. There are different ways of doing it. Like Steve Jobs was very good at doing this over at Apple. Steve yeah. Jobs, I mean, he could tell you essentially what it was you wanted. <laughs> that was his job. And, and the thing was, he was good at it. By the end of the, by the end of a speech, you were convinced you did want the thing he told you you wanted. Um, and, uh, it, it, whereas over at Microsoft, that doesn't necessarily always work out that way. 2012 is also when Microsoft launched the Surface tablet. So this was interesting because again, they were getting into the hardware area. So they had, they had the consoles, they had the failed Zune. Now they're getting into creating tablets. tablets. And it also was a little controversial because Microsoft is providing the operating system for other Surface tab, well, not Surface tablets, but other tablets, tablets running Windows 8. Right. So then the question was, are you actually entering into competition with your own partners? Sure. And uh, that was that was a tough question. Um, Microsoft, I think, was mainly saying that the reason they were developing Surface tablets was to inspire other companies to also build Windows 8 tablets and to just uh, start that start the market to establish a market that other companies could sweep in and take advantage of. Um uh, I don't know. It, it's still early days, but I surface uh, adoption has not been huge uh, compared to things like Android tablets and, uh, I think of course, the iOS tablets. I think partially because of a little bit of that bad, bad press about Windows 8. Yeah, but, I'm sure hmm. that has something to do with it. Uh, then we get into 2013, this year. This which, year, of yeah. Of course, we're not, we're not finished with 2013 yet. Certainly we're not. We're recording uh, this in, at the end of June 2013. Mm-hmm. But uh, as of yet, uh, Microsoft has announced the Xbox One for yep. release at the end of the year. They announced it, and then they showed it off at first a couple of weeks before E3, and then at E3 they went into more detail. Uh, it initially got a lot of people raising criticisms for some of the decisions that, uh, that Microsoft made. They wanted to go with a a version of the Xbox One where you could buy games over over uh, digital lines, so you would just download the game. Or if you bought it on disc, you would just use it to copy the game onto your drive. Then you would never need the disc again. So it's, it was a way to try and move away from physical media, but it meant that there had to be a, from the game developer perspective, there needed to be a way of verifying that the game itself was a legitimate registered copy, which meant that your console had to check in with servers on some regular basis. Which they said was going to be every 24 hours. Right. Um, and certain games, if you were playing a game, it would have to check once an hour, but the system itself would be once every 24 hours. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of resistance on the gamer movement 
for that, and eventually uh, the they Xbox president... clarified and or retconned that. Well, the Xbox president essentially said, we heard what you had to say, and we now are going to change these policies so that now you can play a game on a disc just like you you could ever before. You could, you could sell that disc when you're done with it. You can trade it. Uh, if it's a digital copy, then you cannot do that because that's just the way digital works. But if it's a physical copy and you're done playing, you can totally sell that back. Or you can buy a used copy and there will be no restriction. Uh, there were some other changes that they made that were really to mollify gamers who were complaining about the changes that were being made. So um, so that was a big story in 2013 with Microsoft. Uh, also, just recently, Microsoft launched Windows 8.1, which was the newest update to the Windows 8. Uh, operating system. And brings back the much-beloved start button. Yeah, it doesn't behave exactly the way it did in Windows 7 and earlier versions, but you know what? It's The behavior of the start button has changed from version to version anyway, but it is back. It had been removed, and now it's back, and you can customize things like start and lock screens. Uh, it also, Windows 8.1, adds support for 3D printers, which is kind of cool. Very cool. Uh, it also has deeper SkyDrive support. SkyDrive is uh, Microsoft's cloud storage solution. Um, and this in 2013, they also sold off their uh, IPTV division. That's, so, uh, that's, that's Internet TV. Yeah. Um, you they, remember when they bought Web TV way, way, way back? Mm-hmm. Now they're getting rid of all that. They sold it to Ericsson. Right. And, and this is really a move, I think, to um, to focus on their Xbox Internet TV related uh, departments. I would imagine so. And they also have because entered it's, into it's, a lot of partnerships not, with uh, cable companies and broadcast companies. Sure, sure. So. It's, it's not that they're trying to get out of Internet TV. It's just that they are focusing their efforts. On, yeah, on the hardware on side. On selling a lot of yeah. Xbox Ones. Yeah, that's the plan. I think they're going to sell a lot more now that they've reversed their position on several of the uh, the issues that gamers found particularly troubling. Absolutely. So that, that brings us up to date yeah. on what Microsoft's been doing and what the company's up to and you know, it's funny because I think every year since Balmer has essentially become the the head of Microsoft, there have been rumblings that the company would look for someone else to replace him because people seem to feel that Balmer is not the right guy to be in charge, that he's not leading the company in an innovative way. Uh, I'm not the one to say that, but I've certainly heard it. And, and every time any discussion about Microsoft's corporate structure comes into play, I always hear somebody say, when is the, the board of directors going to demand a different CEO? Um, you know, Balmer's been there a long time, and he knows the business really well. And it may be that his public persona, the idea, you know, the way that he comes off in these presentations, like I said, like a super intense dude, may not be uh, indicative of his actual leadership style. I don't know. Never worked with a man. I'm terrified of him, and I hide. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, it, uh, but it'll be interesting yeah, to see yeah. what happens with Microsoft in the future. I, I am curious to see how the Xbox One shakes out, Yeah. Uh, as well as the fact that they plan on continuing to support the Xbox 360. I'm also curious to see how Windows 8 shapes up now that we have 8.1 out there. And and whether or not they were, they were again, kind of prescient in their decision to make this a, a, a touch-heavy. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. And, of course, Windows Phone is one of those things that... Now, there, there, I've seen some projections that it could have as much as 17% of the market in like 2017, but that's a very small slice of the market. They're still really battling Android and iOS. I mean, those are the two juggernauts there. So, uh, but Windows Phone is a, is a, a, a good mobile operating system. I've used it a little bit. I mean, I don't own a device that runs Windows Phone, but the times I've used it, 
I thought it was pretty sleek and everything seemed to be working really well. I thought it was very pretty. Uh, I just, I'm already really well invested. You're already in entrenched in Android, yeah. Yeah, that one. It's the one I'm entrenched in, sometimes up to my neck. All right. Well, that wraps up our discussion about the company Microsoft. It's a big, big discussion. And obviously, we could do episodes about lots of the different things that we talked about here. And maybe we will yeah. in another few weeks after this is rested for yeah, a little while. When we can talk about something else in the meantime, something fun, silly, like in the NSA. So, guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics for Tech Stuff, let us know. Send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or drop us a note on social networking. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You just have to look. Our handle is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 